Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Thursday, January 13th, we're studying Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. Nine months after Gabriel visited Zechariah with the good news concerning John, the time comes, John is born to the praise of God and to the wonder of all. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Dustin Beck. Pastor Beck serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Good morning, Pastor Apple. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Fantastic, man. You guys have the best intro music on the station. Wow. I don't know what song it is, but it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. Thank you. Yeah, it really, it's, it's a great way to start the morning. It's uplifting. It is. And even more uplifting is the Word of God. True. That we get to study this morning. So we're in the end of Luke chapter 1 this morning, Pastor Beck. What context do we need to remember as we read about John's birth this morning? So, um, first of all, we got to remember that we're in the Gospel of Luke, <laughs> right? And being in the Gospel of Luke is a, it's an important thing for us to remember because Luke is... Um, he tells us all the way at the beginning of the gospel um, that he has sought to have a well-researched accounting of the things that have recently happened, right? Um, and so uh, Luke, of course, gives us the most detailed uh, description of Jesus's nativity, of, of all of the events of Christmas. Uh, you know, uh, Matthew touches on it a little bit, but uh, Luke really goes into detail, and he also um, he also highlights. Um, the birth of John the Baptist, right, which none of the other Gospels really touch on. Um, and so we have this, uh, this in-depth look at the first, uh, the first year or so of, um, well, the events surrounding Jesus' life and ministry. Uh, so that's kind of a, a helpful thing. But then in terms of our immediate context here, of course, we're going to begin with uh, the time coming for Elizabeth to give birth. Um, well, who's Elizabeth? Well, we got to back up a little bit, right? She's uh, married to a man named Zechariah. Um, Elizabeth is also a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? And um, remember, Elizabeth is mentioned as uh, to Mary by the angel Gabriel as sort of the sort of the demonstration of God's faithfulness, right? Remember, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, uh, blessed are you. Uh, the angel comes to the, uh, um, to the uh, Virgin Mary and says, you will, uh, you'll have a child, you will name him Jesus. Um, and, and, you know, she says, how will this be? Uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, but then as a sign to Mary is given, and even Elizabeth, your relative in her old age, will have a child. And she who is said to be barren is in the sixth month. And Mary rises in faith and she goes and she finds Elizabeth, uh, that old, old woman who is swollen with child. Uh, what a wonderful sight that must have been. Uh, we got to back up even a little bit before that, though, uh, because we hear about the fact um, that Zechariah has been also visited by this angel Gabriel, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. And uh, when he was visited, he was given similar news that uh, that he and his wife were going to have a child. And he similarly asks, how will this be? Uh, but apparently, according to uh, at least Gabriel's response, uh, he asks not as much from uh, the place of faith that Mary asks, where she winds up saying, uh, may it be to me as you have spoken, I am the servant of the Lord. Uh, instead, Gabriel sort of 
sort of reads Zechariah the riot act. He sort of tells Zechariah, you know, because you didn't believe whenever I said this to you, um, you will be silent until the child is born. And so for nine months, Zechariah has, uh, has been giving his wife and everybody else the silent treatment, not of his own volition, but of the Lord's. Um, and so we're going to have Zechariah's lips opened uh, in our text today um, at the birth of his son and the naming of his son, John. Um, so I think that's that's maybe a good uh, introduction here is Zechariah contrasted with Mary, right? Um, maybe his faith, you'd expect a priest, you'd expect somebody who, um, you know, uh, who is a religious person to be the one that expects an angel to come uh, and to give him glad tidings. But instead, he's the one who has some doubts. Mary is the one who has some faith. And uh, we're going to see how it all works out uh, to the glory of God. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Zechariah, he's been quiet for nine months, and it seems that the Lord has made use of that time yeah. for Zechariah. And I think it's, it's also worth, this dawned on me during this last Advent season when we were going through the Canticles of Luke, that Mary's been there with Zechariah and Elizabeth for three months. Right. And I think that reality, and, and you know, hearing what Mary's saying in the Magnificat, I mean, I think that reality influences Zechariah, as, as we'll see in today's text. Right. And, and you know, I mean, so we have recorded uh, the fact that when Mary shows up, that the baby leaps inside of, uh, of Elizabeth's womb, and, and she adds to it the interpretation. She says that the babe leapt for joy, right? Uh, but what we don't have recorded is, like you said, I mean, there's a couple of months there where Mary's staying with Elizabeth while she's finishing out her pregnancy. We have, um, undoubtedly, uh, Mary is sharing her experience that the angel came and spoke with her. And so Zechariah is over here just silently listening along. And, and, you know, I, I like to think, especially because of the words of the Benedictus that we'll be talking about in a few moments, that Zechariah is just pouring over all of these promises of old, these, these fulfillments that he's experiencing with his own eyes. The fact that this child will be the forerunner of the Messiah himself. I I like to think that that's kind of what Zechariah is doing for these nine months is, He's really taking some time for some self-examination, <laughs> you know. Um, maybe when God actually speaks to him through the through the angel, you know, he should trust, he should listen, he should he should believe. Um, but then, you know, also kind of, you know, what is he going to say when he opens his mouth? He's going to make his words count. Right. That's what we're getting to in just a minute. That's right. And and then in terms of just the other another thing you said about yeah. the birth of John or Elizabeth's pregnancy being a sign for Mary. You know, when you think about what the angel said to her, that in in saying, "Yeah, you are going to conceive," and hey, Elizabeth has conceived in her old age, so nothing's impossible with God. So, John's birth, his or Elizabeth's pregnancy, and John's birth serves as a sign for Mary that God's word is true. Right. Then, I'm just thinking in terms of the narrative that Luke gives us, for us being able to see John born and his name being given as John, and here Zachariah's Benedictus, that's going to serve, I think, as a sign for us as the reader of Luke that what's about to happen with Jesus is also true. In other words, I, I think just in this, and we can talk more about it when we get to what Zechariah says about John, but I think we're going to see once again John serving as that forerunner of Christ, pointing to the certainty of what's going to happen with Jesus. Exactly, yeah. Um, so uh, this sort of builds the anticipation, right? Um, I mean, this is this is in its, in its purest form. This is an Advent text, Right, it is a prepare the way of the Lord, and and look, you know who's the guy that's in charge of preparing the way of the Lord? Well, that's John the Baptist, right? His forerunner, his herald, um, and so that's what we see, uh, and why we see John coming onto the scene uh, is because you know that when John shows up, Jesus is right in his heels. Right. Yeah, 
That's right. Let's go ahead and, and take a look at the text. We're Should in I? Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. I'll pause there. That takes us through verse 66. That's the narrative portion of our text today. This is the actual account of John's birth. And that is one of the things that stands out in this text is the naming of the boy. What's what's the big deal with the boy's name? Right. So he's going to be called uh, John, which is the name that was given by the angel. Right. Um, and uh, before we before we jump into that, I was just looking at this text as you were reading it so eloquently. Right. Um, and I. I love the way that verse 58 talks about this. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. Right? I think that there is something instructive um, about, you know, a community rejoicing over God's great mercy. Right? Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of reminds me, and we don't do this as much today probably as we should, uh, but when, when a whole community rejoices at the birth of a child, when the whole community rejoices um, at a successful surgery, when the whole community rejoices over something like this, I, I think that there are um, oftentimes, it's, it's obviously not necessarily what this text is about, but I think oftentimes there is just kind of something tucked away in a verse like that that kind of causes us to think about things in terms of, God's mercy, the fact that, you know, somebody who uh, we, you know, we had a member recently in our congregation who uh, this, this family, um, they had struggled to get pregnant for, for years, right? Um, recently had a child uh, a month or so ago. I was able to baptize the little girl. And, you know, the way that the, the congregation, the way that the community has rejoiced with them um, at God's mercy, that he would look upon them with this kind of favor is just, it's, it's breathtaking, really. So, uh, not the point of the text, but a really neat thing for us to remember and to probably encourage uh, one another in times Cer- like this. Certainly. I mean, that's, you know, Paul's words, I think, in 1 Corinthians 12 about you're rejoicing together. When one rejoices, all rejoice. And, yes. and that's, we see a concrete example of that here with Elizabeth. And, you know, it, it makes me, I recall back in verse 25 of this chapter, or excuse me, verse 24, that after Elizabeth conceived, she kept herself hidden for five months. Right. I'm not, not entirely sure why that is. We, we didn't really come to a, a conclusion on that, but perhaps, you know, some bit of a embarrassment or maybe maybe concern over a miscarriage, perhaps. Maybe she'd suffered miscarriages maybe. before yeah. or something like that. I, I don't know. But if, if there was an element of shame that she had been concerned about, Certainly, that's that's taken away at this point, and there is just this overflowing joy of the whole community. Well, and I, I think also, I mean, again, not to get too far off topic here, but Elizabeth's entire identity is wrapped up in she who is called barren, mm, right? right? And I mean, you know, you never, you know, in polite company, you never talk about somebody that's not able to have kids in that way, mm-hmm. but that's always kind of filed in your mental Rolodex of, oh yeah, unable to have kids or. You know, that, that couple is not having kids for, for whatever reason, you know. And so, I mean, this is, 
her entire identity is changed by the fact that she bears this child um, and by the fact that she is now known as mother, by the fact that she is now, um, you know, responsible for this other human being. Uh, there, there's something beautiful about that, even even before we jump into the, the meat of the text here. Well, and that, I mean, it, that's <laughs> one thing about Luke chapter one. There's all these elements that are just very, you know, they're very real, very human, yeah. common human experiences. And, and what you're saying about Elizabeth and the her barrenness being a part of who she was, how, how many times would she have been rejoicing with another woman who was who had given birth, all the while maybe having this, you know, this yearning, this mourning within her own heart because she know that hasn't that has not happened for her. And now she gets to experience that joy and the joy is is shared. And so I mean just that again that the rejoicing together and what a what a beautiful picture of a of a Christian community that we still get to experience today, like, as you said, at a baptism is often the case where, where the whole congregation comes together to rejoice that God has shown mercy by bringing this child and now bringing the child to holy baptism. Now, holy baptism hasn't been instituted in this text, but they do have circumcision. Right. So that's a nice segue back into the, the meat go. of the text <laughs> and into the naming of the child. So it is the eighth day. That's the day that you would circumcise the child and give the name. Everybody who's there rejoicing thinks Zachariah would be a fine name for this child. Name him after his father. You may only have this one son, so certainly we're going to name Zachariah. But Elizabeth is insistent. His name is John. Right. Which is, is so cool, though, because, I mean, Zechariah means the Lord remembers, right? And, I mean, if there's, if there's any name that would have seemed appropriate, I think Zechariah would have been a good name for this baby. I mean, I'm not arguing with God here or anything, <laughs> but the Lord remembers. Yahweh remembers his people, right? How long has he uh, seemingly forgotten Elizabeth? How long has he uh, been far from her and bringing her this the joy of knowing motherhood? Uh, and yet here, the Lord has remembered her, right? Um, but no, uh, she she uh, is very insistent he shall be called John, uh, which means the Lord has been gracious, Right, which is interesting because you think about the ministry of John, you think about, or, uh, yeah, you think about the kinds of things that John is going to say and do and be, right? And um, I, I, I think it was it was this past uh, this past Advent again when we have John preaching, right? Remember how he addresses the crowds? He says, "You you brood of vipers, you sons of serpents," right? I mean, he he calls them every name under the book, um, you know, and uh, especially in Luke's gospel, he's. He's very critical of the crowds that are out there, but then I love Luke's. Little, I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but I love Luke's little, um, uh, little, uh, his outro from listening to John's sermon. Right. He says, "And with many other such exhortations, he preached the good news to right. them." And I'm like, I don't know if that was the good news, right? <laughs> He's like, "Quit being jerks. Quit being awful. Quit, right. quit extorting people. Quit, you know, quit doing all this stuff." That this is the gospel. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, you know that is, and I, again, maybe this is we're we're moving into Luke three, but you're talking That's about fine. John. Yeah. You know, we have this hymn when all the world was cursed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when all Which the is world actually a very happy hymn. It is. It is. If you don't look at the first right. two lines of the hymn, yeah. <laughs> so when all the world was cursed by Moses' condemnation. Saint John the Baptist came with words of consolation. There it is. Right? You know, I mean, he—he's—that's what he is. He is a preacher of good news. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's—it's it's easy to forget that when he is doing the—the the alien work of preaching God's law. Right. The whole point is to point—he's pointing forward to the Christ. And so here, his name, John, does indicate that already. And and perhaps even more important than the meaning of either of these names. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Zachariah's role in this, 
the reason he's got to be named John is because that's what God's word has told them to do. Right. That's as the angel has delivered to Zechariah. So Zechariah now, um, in a sign of faith, actually, you know, he he reaches over and grabs the iPad. <laughs> I think it's a writing tablet, yeah, but yeah. you know, the modern modern translations and everything. He reaches over and grabs the <laughs> tablet, um, and he writes, "His name is John." Right. Um, and in that moment, his mouth is opened. I, I think there's something beautiful about that, that when when Zechariah has the opportunity again to say, you know, I sinned, I was wrong, I doubted, I disbelieved, um, you know, and, and now I, I believe, um, just like that, his tongue is opened. Now, I've always wondered this. This is, I'm going to, can I ask you a question? Am I allowed sure, to do that on the can, show? You can ask me a question. Why are they making signs at John? It doesn't say that he's deaf. I don't know. <laughs> I don't right? know. It says they were making signs at him. They were playing charades about naming him Zechariah or or what. I don't know. And nothing ever says that he was struck deaf. It just says that you'll be struck mute. Maybe maybe because he would have been making signs at them and maybe. so they they copy that toward him. I'm not know. I'm not positive. I've always read that and I've just kind of scratched my head and said they know he can hear, right? <laughs> or maybe I'm he can't. I'm not sure. Maybe being struck maybe. Maybe. Mute is also. I don't know. With... I don't really know that one. If you are a listener, know. Yeah, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or if your <laughs> pastor knows the answer that these pastors don't, please let us know. Yeah, I, I really, I'm not positive why they would have They're made making signs, signs at John him. instead of just saying, or not John, Zachariah, saying, Zachariah, hey, Zachariah, <laughs> tell, us, tell us what you think. I'm not, I'm not sure why they were making signs at him. Yeah. I guess Luke should have researched that a little bit more. Well, I'm sure he did. Probably did. He did. I don't know. Maybe he was. Ma- maybe Zechariah was making signs at them, and so they made. That's signs yeah. That's just that, at least one thought. I'm not. I'm not positive why they would have been making signs. I'm not sure just, our salvation hinges. On I don't think it does. Thanks be to God. Deaf or not. Thanks be to God for that. <laughs> so he. But I mean, the the key here is that in what he writes. Yeah. He he's now. Well, the the way that I I, I preach on the Benedictus and Advent. Sure. And and I was. Play, you know, we've got doubting Thomas, right. as he's sometimes called. So doubting Zachariah has now been made by the Holy Spirit believing Zachariah, and yeah. it's indicated by this, these four words, his name is John. And again, I mean, say a little bit more about that. We talked some about it in the introduction. What's what's happened for Zachariah in these last nine months that he's been moved from that doubt to this faith? Well, like we talked about just a minute ago, the fact that Mary shows up, the fact that Mary is there, and I mean— um, as Zechariah is wa- watching his wife grow with child, right? I mean, that's got to be one really big indicator that the angel wasn't telling a lie, that's right? right? <laughs> the fact that the the prophecy, the promise actually is coming true. Um, and then you've got the fact that Mary shows up and she starts saying, you know, hey, listen, the angel showed up and, and, and said this to me and, and he hears the, the Magnificat and everything else. I mean, all of this just starts to fit together and it's... Um, uh, it's kind of like when you go to the eye doctor and he says, which one's better, one or two, which one's better, two or three, you know, and everything like that. And I think that personally, I think they play tricks on you. I think that sometimes three is one and they go back and forth just to try to make sure that you're not just, you know, trying to get the, the higher prescription or whatever it is. That's the eye doctor playing tricks, perhaps, but not the word of the Lord. Not the word of the Lord ever, right? Um, because I think what's going on here is that it's coming into clearer focus for Zechariah that he's seeing all of this stuff that had been his life before of ministering in the temple, of being a priest of the Lord. Um, maybe he had been going through the motions a little bit. Maybe I'm not 
not trying to cast aspersions, but, you know, it certainly seems like when uh, Gabriel shows up, uh, at least according to Gabriel's own words, Zechariah doesn't believe him, right? Um, he doubts that word of the Lord. Um, and so here you see uh, in his name is John, um, not, you know, we should name him John or something like that. But when he says it in that declarative way, his name is John. Um, it's almost like, well, his name's been John for the last nine months, ever since that's the name that was delivered to me, yeah. right? So there, I think that there is a, that's a, a big confession. And that's, I also preached on the Benedictus over Advent, uh, and that was one of the things that I brought out uh, also was the fact that these four words are words of a confession of faith. Um, that's what it sounds like when Zechariah says that he believes the promise that was given to him. That's what it sounds like when he says that um, that he understands, at least in some way, what God is doing. He says his name is John. Mm, right, and and I think, and you may, I'm not sure if you mentioned this already or not. You've got it here in your notes, and I want to make sure we, we say it, that mm. in addition to the visit of Mary and seeing what happens with her and with his own wife, Elizabeth, that likely in these nine months, Zechariah is also searching the scriptures, and that yeah. too confirms the faithfulness of God for him. Right, absolutely. And that's, that's really, well, after the break, once we get into the Benedictus itself, we're really going to see that because it's chock full of Old Testament themes, Old Testament ideas, Old Testament imagery. Um, it's, I mean, it's almost like he's gotten this uh, this promise from the uh, from the angel, and he doubted it at first, but then from his own um, muteness, from his wife's pregnancy, um, and then a little bit later from the arrival of Mary, it's almost like he said, I need to go back to school. I need to go back to the books. I need to figure out what all of this means, right? Not just how can this be for me, but what does this mean? And so he goes back to the scriptures, and that's why he has such a strong grasp on what's going on here um, in terms of the history of Israel. With, with Zechariah being the kind of the main character in this text, or at least the main actor and speaker, as we will see finally, what I mean, for us as Christians today, what kind of example does, does Zechariah give us for our own Christian faith and life? Oh my goodness, well, to be people of the Word, Right. Um, one of the things that we've uh, that we've started doing uh, over the last uh, six or eight months uh, at Holy Cross is we've got a um, a weekly devotion sheet. Um, it's just a it's a letter sized piece of paper that we fold in half, stuff in the bulletins, um, and it's got resources from the Treasury of Daily Prayer for daily scripture readings, daily Psalm readings. Um, it's got uh, a section from the Catechism. Uh, that people can be focusing on memorizing. That's actually the sneaky part is that I'm trying to have folks work on this at home so that by the time their kids are in confirmation, right, this is just a more intense two years of study of things that they already know. It's not so sneaky. It's not so sneaky now that you told the the whole worldwide KFU audience. Oh my goodness. Can you edit this out later? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, No, I'm happy that they know it, right? But it has a memory verse for the week. It has a hymn for the week. Um, It has the collect for the week from Sunday, right? Um, A look ahead at next week's readings, um, Luther's morning and evening prayers. um, And then we actually have a little section where we pray for the folks who are having birthdays in our congregation, anniversaries. Uh, We pray for a country that's um, experiencing persecution and then for one of our LCMS missionary families. Um, But we call it God's Word for the Week, and that can be spelled either W-E-E-K or W-E-A-K. That's clever. That's what I thought, right? Um, And the idea is that God's Word actually strengthens us. It actually builds us up. And so um, we've had a a ton of feedback from that people that say, you know, I really I'm going through a season right now where I'm making use of the Psalms. I've got a morning Psalm and an evening Psalm, and it's just wonderful to hear those prayers, right? 
Um, other folks that are reading through the Old Testament um, a, a couple of chapters uh, at a time. But it's that's really what I think Zechariah teaches us is the fact that the more that we are in God's Word, the more God's Word actually gets into us, right? And it has that that way of informing things. And and you'll be surprised you and, and you you know you do you dear listeners know this because you listen to this show on the regular and you you hear God's Word expounded upon and proclaimed and 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 taught um, that you start to see things in the world a little bit differently when you have God's word permeating your being. Um, and I think that's exactly what's going on for Zechariah here. He's a good example for us of studying the scriptures. Right. And then, I mean, and then speaking back that word of God, because that is yeah. the confession that Zechariah gives. And and then again, that they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father makes sense. It makes sense with the meaning of the name. Sure. And so it's not, it's not a, like an attack but it is not what God has said. And so right. for Zechariah to stand true with God's word and to speak God's word back in the face of something that's contradicting it, that is a good Christian example for us that he says. One more thing before we get to our yeah. break, just as a, a, a segue, you know, we get these details after the birth of John. Zechariah's mouth is opened. We're going to see how that really happens in the Benedictus. And then we get a few details about the reaction. And everybody, all these neighbors, these relatives have been rejoicing. Now they're kind of scratching their heads. They're a little afraid. And we get one of these details that I think is an indicator of, of Luke's research. You know, he, he says here that all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them laid them up in their hearts. And they were saying, you know, what will this child be? I, I think that could be another example of of Luke indicating to Theophilus and to us, I talked to a few of these people out there in the hill country of Judea. Yeah, that that laying things up in their hearts or Mary treasuring or pondering these things in her heart. Um, I, I do think that that is, that is sort of shorthand in Luke's gospel for saying, you know, they never forgot that. Mm. Right? Uh, it was an unforgettable experience for them. Um, and well, how is that, you know, demonstrated? Well, Again, when Luke set out to put together a well-ordered, um, you know, account of the recent events, you know, involving the life, ministry, and death, and resurrection of Jesus, you know, it sure sounds like he went and interviewed some folks. So I think there's there's all likelihood um, that here um, Luke has gone and he's talked with some of the people uh, who were in that region. And that's, that's another thing that just speaks to uh, the fact that as Christians, uh, when we have things like this in the Word of God, uh, it really just solidifies um, what we're what we believe, right? Uh, it it you know for the Christian, you know, when we hear that there are eyewitnesses that were interviewed for this, um, that really just kind of bolsters you know our faith. You know, for the people on the outside, it doesn't really do them much. They're like, oh well, he probably made it up. But, you know, it's kind of like um, I had a, a member a couple of days ago that was talking with me about Christian apologetics. And I feel the same way about apologetics. You know, you and I both know uh, that you can't argue somebody into the faith, right? But what's the use of apologetics? As a Christian, it actually gives you more reasons to say, oh, I, I, I can actually see that as a reason why, yeah, God, God exists. Yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, all those kinds of things. Uh, I think that it's a similar uh, tack here where we say that we have these witnesses who, yes, they treasured these things up. They laid them in their hearts so that they would never forget them. Um, and that question that kind of reverberates, what will this child be? Um, well, knowing the full trajectory of John's ministry and ultimately his, you know, his death, that really puts things in perspective for us, the fact that this child is, he is here to be the forerunner of Christ, and where where he goes, Jesus will ultimately go as well. 
That's right. And he will go for you. And Zachariah is going to help us answer that question about this child, at least in part, as he sings his Benedictus. We'll we'll look at that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron this morning on KFUO, talking Luke 1 with Pastor Dustin Beck. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, January 13th. We are studying Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80 with Pastor Dustin Beck. He serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, prior to the break, we looked at the first part of this text, the narrative portion, where John is born and named. Zechariah has been given faith. He trusts God's word, gives the child the name that he's had all along because that's God's word for him. And now... As a part of that, Zachariah's tongue being loosed, he sings. So we haven't read it yet, and I will, but just as we prepare to look at this, can you give it, what are we going to see in the Benedictus? It's a maybe a little, it's one of Luke's canticles, yeah. but perhaps one of the less familiar ones sure. to us. So give us just kind of a broad overview of what Zachariah is going to be talking about here. So it neatly divides into two portions. Uh, the first is sort of a greatest hits of the Old Testament, <laughs> okay. right? You can't stop thinking about it now, right? That's right. Yeah, it is a greatest hits of all of the, or much of the imagery, much of the... the ways that God made himself known to his people throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it's it's one of those texts that really, you know, I mean, in a similar way that, you know, uh, we could look, for instance, at like, I don't know, say Stephen's speech right before he's martyred right. as a one, you know, in the book of Acts, as this wonderful kind of concise-ish concise adjacent you know here is the history of israel right so also you can look here and you can see many of the major themes that are unpacked in the old testament about god's mercy and his covenant faithfulness and everything else so we'll talk about that and then the second section uh, is is this really wonderful moment you and i i know are both uh fathers you um five times over that's correct yes i was just guessing <laughs> right um but um <laughs> uh, being, you know, a parent and, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, you've likely had this experience just as I have where you, you hold that little child and you just kind of, um, maybe even dream for a minute about right. what in the world are you going to be like? What's, what's, what is your life going to unfold like before my eyes? And, you know, God grant that I get to see your life unfold. But Zechariah actually, he has a little bit more of an idea because as we talked about before the break, this guy's apparently been studying the scriptures. He he understands uh, what the angel had spoken to him now. Um, and so when he holds this little child in his, uh, this eight-day-old child in his arms, you know, he actually, you know, sings the last uh, section of his song to the child about um, who he will be and how he will go before to prepare the way of the Lord. Um, and it's, it's, this, it's this really touching thing, I think, as a father especially, to be able to see Zechariah, who's had nine months of silence, now bursting forth into song. Um, I, I just think there's something beautiful about that. Oh, for sure. I mean, just like the, the again, the human element there of mm-hmm. you see a father reacting like any father would upon the birth of his child. And, and yet at the same time, 
in in one sense, some, doing something that you and I didn't do when we held our children. Well, here in verse sixty-seven, you know, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit right. and prophesied. So maybe before we go ahead and read the Benedictus, since we've been talking about that, what does that expression mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then to prophesy? Yeah, Luke likes that. At least early in the gospel, it seems like everybody is getting filled with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit is coming upon them, or some you know some. Some mi- mi- mixture of that terminology, uh, because we're told all the way back that the Holy Spirit would be upon John. Uh, that was spoken by Gabriel. Um, also, Gabriel to Mary says that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Um, the same is spoken uh, when Mary shows up. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, right? When she confesses um, that, you know, uh, that she's blessed to get to, you know, have her Lord visit her. Um, Simeon, uh, when Jesus is brought into the temple, right? Um, Simeon is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit to sing the Nuc Dimittis. Um, it sure seems like wherever the Spirit shows up, uh, people, um, they have faith, and that faith causes them to uh, to say and to do uh, faithful, faith-filled things. I think is uh, the easiest way of putting it. Yeah, right? yeah. And Zechariah is going to do that here. One one thing, right. you know. Again, what the there's a, a certainly quite a bit of theological truth for us here. Yeah. But it did. It struck me as again as we as preaching on this in this past Advent that in these two sections you essentially have two really long run-on sentences. <laughs> yes. And and I think we can forgive Zechariah for that, having not spoken for nine months, if he gets a little excited right. and just starts talking and keeps talking for a while. That's probably okay. So so with that, again, and if that, as you, because every time I read the Benedictus, I mean, again, I love the theology that's here, but sometimes it's, it's hard to to pause because right. he just keeps moving from one clause into the next. But there, again, there are these two main parts. First, the side A of the 45 is the greatest hits of the Old Testament. Side B, John. That's a, a vinyl record reference. That was for a our vinyl listeners, record, record our younger reference. Listeners. That's right. That's right. Vinyl's I, making a comeback. You know I, about this, right? That's what I hear. That's yeah. what I hear. Yeah. I usually am not up to date on such things. But I, I collected vinyl when I was in high school. I still have it, but I've, I haven't listened to a record in probably, oh, probably a couple of years. Well, maybe the Benedictus is good reason to pull them back out. Okay. All right. Let's read. Luke 1, beginning at verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. That's the rest of our text for today, Zechariah's Benedictus, Luke 1, verses 67 to 80. So Benedictus, we keep calling it the Benedictus, Pastor Beck, that is the first word of the song in Latin. 
blessed Correct. be. So, I mean, just again, as we said, this is kind of one long run-on sentence here at the beginning, but blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Sounds like he's picking up language from the Psalms. Yeah, it sounds very much like the Psalms, right? Um, and I, th- I think that that's, that's not by accident, right? This, I mean, the Psalms are the, the hymn book of, uh, of, the, of the Jewish, Jewish people of Old Testament Israel, um, the Psalms serve as the hymn book. And I, I always, um, you know, in Bible class, it, it would be a good idea to point out the fact that you do have that narrative section that is written in paragraph form. And then you can always tell when people are singing in the Bible, right? Or when things would have been chanted or things would have been said in a, in a, a just a different tone kind of a deal because of the abbrevi- or the um, indentation. It always just looks different on the page, right? So that's how we know that this is more of a psalmic setting, more of a hymnic setting. Um, but yeah, it reads like a psalm, doesn't it? Right? Um, this blessing to God, um, and then sort of in the next line you have the why, right? So blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has shown up for his people, which, by the way, I mean, that's, I'm going to say this about a thousand times in the next five verses, right? It's a huge theme in the Old Testament. God <laughs> shows up, and when God shows up, the faithful are blessed, um, and, and the, the faithless are cursed, right? But so he has visited his people, right? And And this is not ironically, um, you know, a couple of months after Mary showed up, and it's, been revealed to Zechariah by the by the Holy Spirit, by the angel, by Mary's own words. It's been revealed that, wow, um, my Lord is right here in her womb, here present. God has visited his people. Yeah, so blessed, blessed, blessed be God. Well, and, and with that that connection, you know, I mean, this, you called it the greatest hits of the Old Testament. Yeah. It, it makes sense that Zechariah would do something like that because he's, he is seeing in front of his own eyes the Old Testament being fulfilled in the child who's been there with him in the womb of Mary. Right. And so he's, I mean, it's, it's almost like these nine months of silence, seeing God's promises fulfilled in front of his eyes, reflecting upon the scriptures. Now, again, he's filled with the Holy Spirit to speak about these things because he knows that all of God's promises from the Old Testament are being fulfilled. And so he, I mean, he, he wraps them up into this one beautiful sermon here. Is there something to be, uh, a connection to be drawn between Zechariah's silence and the silence of the prophets? Maybe. Between the end of the Old Testament and John? Maybe, maybe. And, and part that's of the... that I, That's something I'd love to, to think about a little bit more, because, you know, I've always thought of John the Baptist as sort of, he's got one foot in the Old Testament, one foot in the New. Um, he's, he's an Old Testament, he's a throwback prophet. I mean, he even dresses like Elijah. He, you know, he shows up as this weird kind of eccentric guy that comes out of the wilderness, you know, and he's telling people, you know, when you pay attention to his baptism to leave the promised land and then, you know, or not all the way out of the promised land, right? But then to re-enter it through the Jordan, just as they did in the book of Joshua, right? So this idea of let's do this over. Let's, let's do a redo. Let's do a do over here. We're going to repent of our sins. We're going to cast those out of the desert, almost Day of Atonement style, right? And then we're going to come back into the promised land with a fresh heart, with a right spirit. So that's that's kind of where the New Testament really begins. And the first uh, two chapters here, or the first chapter of Luke's gospel, sort of serves as that bridge chapter to say, you know the Old Testament, here's where the story yeah. picks back up. Yeah, I, I think there may be a, a connection to be made. What, when we talked about 
the annunciation of John's birth to Zechariah back yeah. in, in verses 5 to 25 of this chapter, Pastor Preuss did mention that the Old Testament does end in Malachi 4 with a reference to the coming of John, the, the one that would come in the spirit of of Elijah yeah. and, and to turn the hearts of the fathers. So, I mean, the silence of Not Zechariah, just of the fathers, but of right, not his just own a, father. That's right, that's right. And so almost in Zechariah in miniature experiences that silence between the Testaments and now seeing the birth of John, that promise yeah. at the end of Malachi fulfilled, he bursts forth into song, but again, anticipating its full, all the fulfillment that's coming right. in the child to be born of Mary. And I, yeah, I mean, so as much as this is a, a greatest hits of the Old Testament, it has to be read in light of what John or what Jesus is doing there yes. on the scene in his coming birth six right. months so from this, this is, moment. This is not just a greatest hits, but it's um, it's the application of that right. greatest hits. It's why all of that stuff matters and how all of that stuff has come to full fruition um, in the exper- the events that Zechariah is experiencing right here and right now. Right. So, okay, you said you're going to say this is a really big theme in the Old Testament about five more times yet. Promise. So we, we've got visited and redeemed. I don't know if we've really talked about redeeming yet, but some give us some more of these really big themes that Zechariah is picking right. up. Uh, I mean, so visiting, uh, anytime that God shows up for his people, right? Um, I, and, I mean, this, this is all just jumping off the page at me. Uh, you know, I'm teaching Old Testament over at Faith High School of right. Central Texas, and... And, you know, when God redeems his people, your mind goes straight to the Exodus, to the fact that God drags his people out of uh, out of slavery and then he carries them into the promised land. That's that is redemption. That is buying them out of slavery and giving them, you know, uh, a free life as his own people. Um, He's raised up a horn of salvation for us. You know, I mean, maybe that's uh, you go to Joshua and Jericho. Right. Or or even Gideon in the book of Judges. Right. Raise a horn for 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 the Lord and for Gideon. Right. Uh, you've got these, this idea that God shows up for his people and that there often is um, this exuberant uh, sound of trumpets and of singing and of joy. Um, and then we, we fast forward all the way to David, right, in the house of his servant David. And anytime that David is invoked, uh, you know, you you got something important going on because he's the man after God's own heart, right? Throughout the, the rest of the Old Testament that my students are going to be studying this semester, right, uh, all of the kings are going to be whether or not they were like David. <laughs> the good kings are the ones who were like David. The wicked kings are the ones who did not do as David did. Now, David had his foibles, right? Uh, he had his, he has issues. But that's right. That's right. But, um, you know, this idea of the house of his servant, David, I mean, that is that is you're talking about big themes there. This is a huge Old Testament theme there. Two or three more times. That's perfect. Right. Um, Because this is the one that God promised, you know, that, uh, you know, your offspring will sit on the throne forever. Right. And that's Jesus. All of this, you know, is is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Uh, yeah, well, and just again, it would, to pick up the New Testament connection here, right. you know, David came up previously in Luke chapter 1 in connection with both Joseph yeah. and then especially with Mary. And, Mary as well. and Gabriel's words to Mary, Gabriel specifically says, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. So again, yes. here's that, you know, that, that indication that Zechariah is singing this based on what he's, you know, what he's been hearing from Mary over the last three months. Right. And, and he's again wrapping up the Old Testament here, pointing to how it's being fulfilled in Jesus. So keep keep going. So we've got David there. Right. And and now 
how does Zechariah continue? Just keep taking us through this first part. <laughs> yeah, just verse by <laughs> yeah, verse. Right. Yeah. So uh, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, uh, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, right? Um, throughout the prophets, you have this, this back and forth between um, – God's people will be saved uh, from the hand of, of their enemies and those who hate them, right? Uh, but you also have, you know, at times God's judgment spoken by the prophets. You don't see as much of that here. Zechariah is not really uh, not really highlighting the fact that God would come in judgment. Instead, it's all grace. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, all gas, no brakes. You ever heard that expression? I've heard that expression. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all grace, no... Uh, no tough breaks. There you go. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's I just coined that term. No, uh, but uh, so he he fulfills this uh, this role of the holy prophet. I, I wonder if Zechari- if that's lost on Zechariah himself that he himself is doing what these holy prophets of old. Uh, have done so faithfully, right? That they were the ones who spoke and uh, spoke tenderly to Jerusalem, you know, right. that her warfare has ended, et cetera, right? They're the ones who had who had called the people back to the promised land um, after they had been led away in exile. Um, here, Zechariah is doing the very same thing. He's calling the people of God, um, you know, uh, hear ye, hear ye, let me have your attention because there's something really important that's happening right here. Um, and, and so Luke records this uh, because... For us, it's you know just the same thing. We gotta we gotta perk up our ears. We gotta listen uh, because what's coming next is the forerunner of Jesus. Right. I mean, you know, this talk of salvation from enemies and from the hand of those who hate us brings to mind the Exodus. It brings to mind the return from exile. All yeah. of all of these accounts in the Old Testament, where that's precisely what the Lord does, is He saves them from their enemies. That is mercy, and and it's his part of his covenant that he remembers. I mean, again, right. greatest hits of the Old Testament really really applies because with holy covenant, you get you get talk. You think of Noah, you think of Moses, all of the promises, yeah. and of course Abraham. Right. You can't mention the greatest hits of the Old Testament without <laughs> Abraham, and yeah, he also are. gets named specifically by Zechariah. Right. Right. He comes in next. So uh, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. Right. That promise that uh, that God Himself will not recant will not revoke, will not go back on the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, okay? Um, This is like this is what it all goes back to, and I've, you know, um, in teaching an Old Testament uh, survey course, it's been really interesting because there are so many things that you can say. It all goes back to this. It all goes back to you know Genesis three in the garden and the right. first promise. It all goes back. But I think more often than not, I I wind up finding myself saying that it all goes back to Abraham, right? And the big deal about Abraham is the New Testament very faithfully and repetitively reminds us the big deal about Abraham is that God made him a promise and he received it by faith. Okay. So it's always built up in that. It's always wrapped up in the fact that Abraham believed God and God reckoned him righteous. That's the new living Texan translation. We say reckon a lot. That's right. Yes. Um, And how wonderful is it that Zechariah is now of the same faith of Abraham? Yeah. I don't know that he was before. I think, you know, I, that's not for me to judge, but it sure seems like he has at least uh, at least some some doubts in the in the in the conversation with the angel. Uh, but now here, you know, he's appealing back to all of these promises, all of these oaths that God has made. And the only kind of people that appeal back to uh, the promises that God has made. Right. And notice not being of the lineage of Abraham or having Abraham as our father, because, you know, what God can raise up. You know, <laughs> for Abraham. Say that later. Yeah, almost like John the Baptist, right? But uh, no, uh, 
Zechariah shares in the faith of Abraham right here, and that's what enables him to sing the Benedictus, and I think that's beautiful. Well, and I think, you know, just the mention of both David and Abraham, you you can't summarize the Old Testament without those two. Sure, yeah. But to to share in the faith of those two is to have that righteousness that they had, which was theirs by faith, and not according to how they did. You you mentioned, I think you said David had foibles. That's a technical term. That's right, and Abraham had his share of those as well. Several. When you think through his account, and so, I mean, to that's where Zechariah is also, that just as David and Abraham both had their doubts and their lives were filled with sin as well, so Zechariah has. But all of them, Zechariah, Abraham, David, are counted righteous for the sake of Christ, the child that Zechariah, although he has not yet seen him in right. the same way that we've seen our children, he knows he's about to see him in six months. Yeah. And that's that's pretty incredible. Let's Let's move on to the second part of Zechariah's song. It begins yeah. in verse 76, where, as you said, he now looks at, he looks at his son, John, and, and actually sings toward him, you child. What, what does Zechariah prophesy now about his son, John? Well, that he will be the prophet of the Most High. And go before the Lord to prepare his ways. That's pretty much what he says. Yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, he's, He's wrapping up so many different Old Testament themes, right? About you know, behold, I send my messenger before your face. Uh, you know, all of the um, all of the great Isaiah prophecies that talk about uh, the the one who will make straight paths in the wilderness and everything else, and raise up the valleys and knock down the mountains and everything else. Um, all of that is fulfilled, as you mentioned. Also, Malachi, right? That that the messenger will come. Uh, all of that is fulfilled right here in the presence of Zechariah as he sings to his son John. Um, and I, I think we can go out on a limb and we can say that he gets it. You know, um, which is such an amazing, you know, statement of faith that he says, um, "I know exactly who you are." Um, and even from the beginning, you notice John is always kind of the um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of a deal or bridegroom situation, right? John is the one. Not you know, it's not going to be about you. Even here, even though he's prophet of the Most High, um, you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways. You will, you know, it's never going to be about you, John. And I think that that is. That's why John is such a powerful figure in the Gospels is because in his own words, he must decrease and Christ must increase. Um, that's why John is such a, uh, such a wonderful um, example for us as Christians is because what is the big deal with John? That he is not the big deal, right? And, um, and we would do well as Christians living in the 21st century to be reminded of that frequently, um, that anything and everything that we do is not actually about us. If, if we were to write a, an accounting of our life, it would not actually be with us as the protagonist or, or the central character or the main figure. Um, it would actually be about Jesus and what he has done for us. That's right. right. And, and I mean, that's where Zechariah gives a recounting ahead of time of what John's ministry is going to be like. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about earlier with his name's meaning, that's what Zechariah is talking about here. You know, what's what's John going to do? He's going to give knowledge of salvation. He's going to preach forgiveness. Yeah. He's going to be talking about God's tender mercy and and pointing to that sunrise, that coming light. John, this is in John one, I think, right? He says, "I'm not the light." Yeah. But the light, or John says this about John the Apostle says it about John the Baptist. He's not the light, 
but the light was coming into the world. And John and he gets came to, to bear point. witness. That's right. To the light, right. And so I, I love this. You know, it, it says you know he's still talking to to um, Zachariah, still talking to John here. And in verse seventy nine, says um, uh, to give light. Right. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Well, I mean, you know, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. John has come to be the one who speaks the word, and the word is what points us to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the word, right? Um, I think John also talks about that somewhere, right? But the whole point of John the Baptist's ministry um, is that he would point people towards that light, that he would shine light on people, um, that he would give people Jesus, right? Um, And so the whole point of what John will be doing is that he will be there to draw the crowd. He's the opening act to get back to our greatest hits, you know, musical theme for the day, right? But John's whole deal is to get people there so that they can hear about Jesus, so they can see Jesus, so they can believe in Jesus. Um, Not in John, right? He never claims the glory for himself. He's always um, the unassuming one. He's always the one that people don't quite understand. Jesus also will be misunderstood, right? And and just as John is martyred, so also will Jesus uh, be crucified. But John comes to be the one who is the forerunner um, to sort of uh, prep the audience for Jesus's ministry. And I think that that is just, that's exactly where Zechariah takes the, the Benedictus, these final words here, um, that he's the one that's going to give light to the one sitting in darkness um, and to guide our feet into the way of peace, mm. uh, which comes in the Prince of Peace, Jesus. That's right. Yeah, you like that? So the Benedictus, I think we've mentioned this, is yeah. one of the canticles that's recorded in Luke 1 and 2. There's four of them. This is right. the second. And I, I think I, I said it this way, that sometimes the Benedictus gets overshadowed by the yeah. other. We I think we know the Magnificat pretty well, and the Gloria that's coming in Luke 2, and then yep. also the Nuc Dimittis are used regularly in the divine service. Oh, yeah. The Benedictus, if you, at least in my experience, when it gets used, it's normally a part of Matins, although it seems in, in most congregations that I've been a part of, the Te Deum takes precedence. And so People sometimes like the Deum, you know? we forget that the Benedictus is there. We've got about two and a half minutes here, Pastor Beck. Why, why should we, I mean, this maybe can help us wrap up the morning. <laughs> why should we make use of the Benedictus as Christians? How does that point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, because the Benedictus draws together the, the narrative. It reminds us of the Old Testament truths um, that are fulfilled in Christ. Um, the Benedictus, not unexpectedly, right, uh, comes from Zechariah, who is a priest, who is uh, very likely well-read in the Old Testament. And like we kept saying, you know, he had nine months of silence when he very likely went and studied the Scriptures a little bit more as he watched his wife grow in front of him and the angel's words being fulfilled, and then as Mary showed up and everything else. Um, Zechariah's uh, response was to go and to study the, to study and to search the scriptures, um, and I think that the Benedictus helps us to do that. Helps us to have those those themes of the Old Testament um, on our hearts and on our minds as well. Right? When was the last time that you thought uh, about the uh, the mercy promised to our fathers and to the holy covenant spoken to Abraham? Right? Um, those are not usually things that we go to as Christians, but we should. Right, because that story uh, that is uh, that is told by Zechariah here in the words of the Benedictus is actually our story. Right, um, the faithful people in the Old Testament—it's not 
inaccurate for us to call them Christians uh, just before Jesus' birth, right? Um, And so uh, their story is our story. The word that God delivered to them, he has also delivered to us. um, And we can see the wonderful plan that God has for salvation for all people um, that is established all the way back in Genesis 3.15, those words of judgment spoken against the snake that the offspring of the woman is going to crush your head right? Those words are fulfilled right here in Zechariah's, well, a few months later, not necessarily in Zechariah's hearing, all the way down in Bethlehem, right? Uh, But uh, this is what Zechariah is singing about, you know, he's had nine months to build up this song, to think about what he's going to say when he's able to speak again, and here it is, blessed be the Lord God, and you, child, you will go before him to prepare his way. What, What better words are there to say? Pastor Dustin Beck is pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas, helping us today with Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. Pastor Beck, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Luke chapter 1, any of the gospel according to St. Luke, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.